The internet means the outside world is there at our fingertips. That's positive in so many ways, but that openness can make us vulnerable as well, no more so than young people who suddenly have a potential connection to people who may wish to do them harm. TalkTalk and other ISPs partner with the Internet Watch Foundation, whose mission is to minimize the availability of online sexual abuse content. They're seeing a worrying rise in self-generated imagery, where young children unwittingly cooperate in their own abuse. It's a difficult topic to discuss, but one society can't shy away from. I'm Dominic Laurie, Head of Comms at TalkTalk, Talk, and I spoke to Susie Hargreaves, CEO of the IWF, about their latest campaign. So tell me, so IWF, Internet, Internet Watch Foundation, just tell me just briefly before we talk about your campaign, tell us about what you do and, and what your organisation does, Susie. Okay. The IWF is the UK hotline for reporting and removing online child sexual abuse. And that's content that could be hosted anywhere in the world. Uh, we've been going for 25 years and we're funded by the internet industry, including Talk Talk. And the internet industry pays for us to run a hotline so members of the public can report suspected child sexual abuse content to us. And we also have the ability to proactively search for images and videos. And then when we find them, we work with international law enforcement, with industry, with other hotlines to get that content removed. And we also provide a range of technical services to the internet industry to disrupt and prevent the distribution of those images and videos. So you're, you're a mum yourself, uh, and this must be occasionally or rather frequently, I imagine, quite a gruelling job. Um, personally, does it take its toll on you, this job? I've been doing my job for 10 years and uh, it is genuinely a privilege to do my job because it's not very often you can kind of go home every day and say, I know we did something, you know, we actually achieved something today. So we do, you know, every single day take down images and videos of online child sexual abuse. And everybody who works at the IWF kind of does it because they're committed to the cause. And many of us are parents. And many of us kind of sort of see the implications of this horrific abuse on children every single day. But I think knowing why you do it is what keeps you going. And we also have a fantastic welfare support program. So we have regular counselling and uh, psychological assessment and everybody's really well looked after, particularly the analysts who look at this content every single day. I'm slightly different because I don't look at it every day. It's, it's uh, you know, I do a range of duties. So when I do look at content, though, I know why I'm looking at it. But does it affect me? I mean, I think, to be honest, I think anybody who says it doesn't affect them is not really telling the truth. Because even if you know why you're doing something and you feel that you're actually doing some good, I don't think you can ever be unaffected by some of the videos that we see. And I'd be worried if you were, actually. So um, it does affect me. but. I like to think I sort of have the support around me so that it hasn't impacted on my personal life or my relationship with my children. But I just want to do what's right and help these children, really. It's even affecting watching your latest campaign. Um, I encourage anyone to to go and see it on your website and, and elsewhere. It's you've got a you've got a, a creative for for young girls to engage with. You've also got something that was relevant for me because I'm a father of a young girl, uh, and it shows essentially a, a, a teenage girl in her bedroom, and she's you're, you're showing the actual men that are trying to groom her 
they're not remote. They're actually the clever thing about this campaign, Susie, is they're standing in the bedroom, aren't they? So you see a, a child's bedroom with eight men or so there, and it's quite affecting. Why did you why did you choose to do it this way, your latest campaign? Well, our campaign is uh, about self-generated content. So over the last few years, we've seen a shocking rise in self-generated content. And that's content which has been uh, created in children's bedrooms or domestic settings, where a child has a laptop, a tablet, camera-enabled device, an internet connection. And they are clearly being tricked and coerced and encouraged into engaging in sexual activities. And we've seen an astronomical rise in this content. So last year, we saw a 77% increase in this type of content. And nearly all of these children are girls aged 11 to 13. And they don't know that what's happening to them is being uh, recorded and then it's been shared on child sexual abuse websites around the world. So they're completely unaware of that. And the other reason uh, we wanted to do a campaign was not just to work with the children, with the young girls, to empower them to uh, take control over what happens when they're on their own on the internet, but also to help parents understand the actual gravity of the situation and the risks that their children uh, are facing. Because what's clear to us when we see all these videos, and it affects children from all aspects of social strata, that actually, you know, parents don't know what their children are doing in their bedrooms. They probably think they're very safe because they're upstairs, they're at home, and they're completely unaware that this is happening. So we wanted to bring it home to parents by saying, actually, do you know who's in your child's bedroom? You wouldn't let, you know, 10 men into your 11-year-old's bedroom to take pictures of them naked. But that is actually what's happening, albeit at the end of a camera and an internet connection. So we need to actually say it as it is. So it's shocking, but we've kind of got to a point where we have a, a problem of almost epidemic proportions. Why is it rising so much? What is it, 70% rise last year? Is that to do with COVID and kids being not at school and in their rooms more? Is, is it the fear that COVID creates and sort of the desire to connect? What, what is it? I think, you know, we can't say, you know, categorically why it is, but we can sort of tell you what we see and say what we think is happening. So we did actually see a rise in the numbers across the board during COVID. You know, in our first lockdown last year, over a four-week period, uh, three of our ISPs in the UK uh, shared data with us to show that 8.8 million people had attempted to access our blocking list in the UK alone. Um, which was a kind of really scary figure. And then what you have, but common sense will tell you what you have if you've got children online all day, you know, and you've got perpetrators online all day, you're going to see a massive increase in the amount of abuse of children online. So, you know, the police statistics prior to lockdown was that at any one time there were 100,000 people uh, looking for children online, and they've upped that to 300,000 perpetrators at any one time in the UK. So, you know, that you can sort of just, you know, work it out for yourself that actually if you've got 300,000 people looking for children to abuse, uh, you're going to see more child sexual abuse. So the heartbreaking thing is, of course, is that the teenage girls or the preteen girls sometimes, sadly, um, let these people, men mostly, into, um, into their bedroom virtually. What should these girls be looking out for? What should be top of mind? What is your campaign saying? Well, first of all, it's absolutely essential that, that children are not scared and they are not blamed for what's happening to them. You know, they are not the ones who are being manipulative in this relationship. 
So uh, we wanted to make sure that our campaign, and there's two aspects of it. One is for the parents and carers, which is very hard hitting. The aspect for the girls, Girls Out Loud, is very much uh, an empowering one about take control. So we say to them, uh, report, block and tell someone. So we've got lots of social media influencers sort of talking about it. We've got lots of resources for girls. Likewise, we've got lots of resources for parents. But uh, what I'm trying to understand is, are the girls not realising something's wrong when you sort of midway through? Or what's, is it, is it the judgment that's impaired? Is it that they feel scared to get out as soon as they realise something isn't what it sh- isn't what should be? What's breaking down here? Okay, so I think there's a whole range of reasons why girls are creating self-generated content. And they range, unfortunately, from, you know, the clear sort of blackmail coercion where they've been, uh, they've been tricked into sharing a quite mild photo and then it's gone, got worse and worse and worse. And you can see that almost one to one, you know, nasty coercion taking place through to girls on popular sites who might just be doing stuff because they've been encouraged to do stuff or they've been flattered to do stuff and they look like they're kind of enjoying the process and they're kind of engaging with it. Often they clearly have no idea that the person at the other end of the camera is actually probably, you know, a man who's attempting to get them to do stuff so they can record it. So we know from the survivors we've talked to, they often thought they were sharing pictures with peers, with people the same age or girls the same age. And In that case, what are the warning signs? So, that, I mean, that there must be a warning sign for all of these girls that they can tell when something's wrong. I think the warning signs are that people shouldn't ask you to take your clothes off or, do, or you know, so the warning signs... No one, like no to, one, no not one, even no if it's one. a friend, even nothing. No. That's that's the message, nothing, no one. So the message is, is if someone asks for a nude, if someone asks for a naked picture, don't do it. You are under no obligation to do it. And uh, it's very hard when people are saying, you know, especially they're flattering you and saying, you know, well, if you were, if you were more grown up, you would do this. But, you know, actually what we need to get the message across is to say, no, you know, block, report and, you know, actually be empowered to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to sort of take control myself. So I think that's what we're trying to do through this campaign. Even if you think that person might be some sort of friend that you think that might be someone your own age that, you know, has your best interests of heart, what you're saying is very, very rarely or never will they be having your best interests at heart if that's what they're asking you to do. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think anybody has your best interests at heart if they ask you to share a naked picture when you're 11 or 12 years old. So, you know, we need to just get that message across. It's not normal. If someone asks you in the in a, in a in a classroom, could you just take your top off and you wouldn't do it. So, you know, we just need to apply the same offline and online rules. And the answer is is not to do it in the first place, but to push back, report, block and tell somebody. And you spoke about parents, which is the other the other set of people that you're aiming at at your at your campaign. Um, you said very powerfully that parents rarely know what's going on in their child's bedroom. Um, they think they're safe uh, just by physically being there. What can parents do short of sitting behind the child's shoulder every minute of every day, which wouldn't be tolerable for either party? Uh, what can they do? Okay, so it's, I don't think it's realistic to ban you know computers or ban phones. And we've always pushed for sort of age appropriate um, supervision for children. So clearly, you know, a five year old needs different supervision to a 17 year old. But what we've done is we've tried to come up with a process which doesn't scare parents, but gives them practical tools. So we've got this uh, mnemonic talk, which we're asking them to use, which is a really easy four step guide for them. 
So the T stands for talk to your child. So actually, you know, make the time, sit down, talk to your child, ask them what sort of sites they go online, understand, get them to show you some of the sites so you really can have a look at those, uh, make sure they're relaxed about it, don't judge them. Uh, the second uh, thing is agree. So talk is the first, agree is the second, which means agree what the boundaries and guidelines and ground rules are for you and your family. And the adults need to stick to them too. So if that's limiting the amount of time you're online, where you can go online, uh, be involved in, in setting some of those rules. The L stands for learn. So as an adult or carer, go and learn about the platforms that your child's on. So there's lots of safety information out there. You know, there's Internet Matters, there's Parent Zone, there's the UK Safer Internet Centre. All of these have guides about these platforms and the platforms themselves do as well. And the fourth thing is know. So know how to set some safety settings. So do not leave it to your child to you take control for set, setting the safety settings and you can get lots of help to do that. So talk, agree, learn and know. And there's a four quite easy steps which will empower parents to actually put some safety precautions in place. Talk, agree, learn and know. Excellent. One that we should all remember as parents. What should ISPs like us be doing? You work with ISPs, as you've said, we, we, we companies like us fund your work, which is fantastic. We're able to do that. What are, you, what, what are you asking ISPs to do generally in this area? Well, I think, you know, we, you do work with us and we're very, very grateful for the support you give us. And Talk Talk have been one of our major partners for a long, long time. The ISPs, I think, have been at the forefront of online safety, particularly in the UK. You know, you set the, uh, the filtering, the parental filters, you have safety settings. I think it's absolutely essential that the ISPs ensure that when people get their internet connection, that those are actually properly put in place or people understand them, which, um, you know, I mean, I think we all know stories about, you know, when somebody comes and fits your uh, internet connection and they kind of go, I'll just, I'll just turn these off for you or whatever, you know. So uh, just making sure that parents are really aware uh, in the installation and setup that there are all these uh, safety settings uh, available there and then. I think the fact that the ISP support internet matters is actually critical so you actually have got a commitment to online safety and you have another number of campaigns that are run via Internet Matters. So actually, you know, the partnership between even like the IWF and Internet Matters and other NGOs working in space is essential. So I, you know, I pretty much think given the way ISPs work and particularly in the UK, I think you set the standard for ISPs around the world because you already engage in this in a really sensible way. You also take, for instance, our blocking list, which is really important. Are you an optimist? Is it hard to stay an optimist in this job? People sometimes say to me, well, what's the point? You know, it's like, a, you know, it's just a drop in the ocean, what you're trying to do. And it is a war of, you know, attrition or whack-a-mole, as we say, because unfortunately, I'd love to say uh, we didn't find any content last year. And every year we actually see more and more content that we have removed. But I am an optimist because we have some fantastic uh, results that we can show the rest of the world. So the UK hosts less than 0.1% of this content. And that's because collectively, the internet industry, law enforcement, IWF, we all work together and we immediately have that content removed if we find it. So we have a zero tolerance approach to hosting content. That's not mirrored around the world. But if everyone did what we did, there'd be a, a way in which we could uh, you know, attack this content and get it removed. So that's a, a positive message. The other reason I'm an optimist is that 
or if you want to call it optimist realist, is that actually, even if we remove one image a day and we remove thousands a day and we remove millions a year, that is a ch- real child who has really been sexually abused and is being re-victimized every time someone looks at that image. So for that person, that child who might be an adult now, we owe it to them to go after every single image and take it down. So for me, that and when I hear victims and survivors talk to us and say, thank God you're out there doing that for us, that means everything to me. If we're ever going, we know we do aim to eliminate this and um, and it's a hell of a fight, frankly. I'm not sure we'll get there, but we won't stop. It's a war of attrition and we'll just keep going. And the survivors that you talk to, are they able to move on? What is life after this as, as, as a young victim? Yeah, so I think obviously it depends on the individual. And of course, the people that we generally meet are those who are happy to talk about it and have decided that one of the aspects of their recovery is to actually talk about it and share their experience. So I think the reality is that we don't know, the, well, the reality is that we don't know the majority of people who are victims of this. I think one of the things I I always keep in my mind is that, you know, a young woman who I met in the States, uh, who really fantastic, brave woman who'd been rescued when she was 12 and uh, she was an adult. She said, you know, she said it's not just knowing that your images are all out there all the time. She was once approached in a shopping mall by a middle aged man who said he recognized her pictures from the Internet. And she just said, I live in physical fear as well as the emotional fear of I walk in a room. I don't know if anyone's seen my pictures, but I actually feel unsafe all the time. And when somebody says something like that to you and you think, wow, you're a really strong, brave woman, you know, talking. But at the same time, you carry this every day. You know, I just think, well, can you get over it? I I don't know. But I do know that we have a responsibility to do everything we can to make sure it doesn't happen in the first place, because no one deserves for their life to be blighted by someone looking at their images of their sexual abuse. That's all for today. If you like the podcast, please subscribe in your podcast app. And if you have time, give us a review. If you have a suggestion or question, get in touch on Twitter at TalkTalkGroup. You can follow us there or also on LinkedIn. Thanks a lot for listening.